be in the book of Acts in chapter 11. Book of Acts in chapter 11 this, uh, this morning we talked about what a Christian looks like. And if the world asked us and we're, if we're a Christian and we said yes, and they said prove it, could we do that? And that's a question that, that we all need to ask ourselves. If we ask ourselves honestly, sometimes it may be a, a stutter step to an answer whether or not we can prove that we are a Christian through the acts, through the, the actions that we take, uh, or sometimes even through the non-actions that we take, uh, through the restraint that God gives us. But this afternoon, I want to look at a, a, the other side of that, and it's the importance of, of Christians in the Bible. Like I said this morning, the word Christian is mentioned three times in the Bible, twice in the book of Acts, once in the book of Peter, and all three times that it's mentioned is, is very, very distinct, distinctive. Um, it's not just mentioned kind of lackadaisical. It's, it's actually, <laughs> and I thought it was this was interesting whenever I studied this. It's mentioned three times, and it represents three different walks that Christians have with Christ. It represents three different states that we can find ourselves in. And a lot of times we, we get really happy and really excited over the first, and, and then the second we, we get a little discouraged over, and then the third sometimes can beat us down. But God promised that he would never leave nor forsake us he promised us that he, he said that he would always be with us that he would gather us together and that we would not uh, that we would not uh, be failed of him that in the last day jesus would raise us up that we are sealed into the day of redemption that we have part in that second resurrection and that is a promise of god that we can take uh, as they say to the bank the book of acts in chapter 11 we find the first mention of the word Christian in the Bible. Acts chapter 11, we're going to begin in verse 21. Acts in chapter 11, verse number 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then the tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us together this afternoon. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings of life. That you bestowed upon us, God, is so undeservingly. Lord, I pray that you'd help us this afternoon as we look into your word, God, that we could open our hearts, that we'd be willing and able to hear, to receive what you'd have to say to us through your gospel, through your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us so we wouldn't be cold-hearted, God, that we wouldn't be hard-hearted. God, that we could submit ourselves unto you, that we could strive to be Christians. God, that we could strive to perfection, and we could live a submissive life unto you each and every day. Lord, help us so we could be the light in this community that you call us to be, Lord, not for our honor and glory, but for yours, that some lost soul could see Christ through us. Thank you most of all for Jesus. Forgive us for we fail you. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. It says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Why is this significant? The word Christian means to be Christ-like. In the book of Acts, Christ was already gone. He had left the scene. Did people know who Jesus was? Everywhere Jesus went, there was a multitude following him. People everywhere knew who Jesus was. I, I, there wasn't cell phones and there wasn't social media. And there was no CNN and there, there wasn't even Fox News, if you can believe it. 
But still, everybody knew who Jesus was because word spread. Anybody ever spread gossip? Don't shake your head side to side. I know we all have. We spread gossip, especially when it's good gossip and it spreads fast, even, even without cell phones, just talking to people. And the word of Christ spread. When Christ was crucified, the centurion, the one who stood him up there, said, surely this was the Son of God. He was convinced in Jesus' death that he was the Christ, that he was the King of the Jews, that he was who he said he was. And I believe that in his death, a lot of people saw the true Jesus. Immediately following this, we read about the day of Pentecost with Peter. And there were a bunch of people saved that day. We read time and time again in the first 11 chapters, excuse me, the first 10 chapters of Acts, where the disciples went throughout the entire country and they were preaching Jesus. They were teaching people about Jesus. At no point in time did the, the people in this community, did the people in this part of the country not know who Jesus was. To this day, Jesus Christ is the most recognized name on the planet. By far. More people know who he is than Donald Trump. Jesus is the most recognized name. So whenever we talk about what it means to be Christ-like, for that word not to be mentioned, for it not to be brought up, for these people not to be called Christians until Antioch holds significance. So what happened at Antioch that was so great? We talked a while back before our revival about what revival really means. And revival is a refreshing state. It is a reviving of something that is already there. So at Antioch, they had to have already had a, a church, whether it was set up uh, even closely to similar to, to, to what we have today, we have no idea. But they had to have had some type of church and some type of disciple there teaching and preaching Jesus. And a lot of things were happening at Antioch. Back when I was a kid, I remember going down to Pushpatap Creek down the road and there were people lined up to be baptized. There were seven or eight. It was in June. Brother Anson McGee had preached a revival at Forest Haven. And there were seven or eight people lined up to be baptized. I can call most of them's name. But it was a great week of revival. A couple of weeks later, my grandpa was out at Serenity at that time. And they had a, a pile of them saved. He had to have help down in the creek because he was getting more out from dunking people under and picking them back up. How many times do you hear about multiple people being saved now? I'll, I'll ask a, a harder question. How many times do you hear about people being saved? It's, it's, it's not as often as it used to be. It's, it's really not. How many times do you have to get out folding chairs in revivals anymore? It's not as often as it used to be. You used to have to replace the carpet more often from, from what I hear. People always said that the carpet was always stained because people was crying more often. That the, the center was always running low, running ragged because people was up and down the aisles. You don't see that anymore. So what are we missing? Has God changed? God hadn't changed a bit. Has His Word changed? Hadn't changed a lick, said not a jot or a tittle. So what has changed? The only thing that has changed is the state of revival in our heart. That's it. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. Christ was constantly getting away from people to talk to His Father. Christ was constantly communicating with His Father. How do we communicate with God? 
We talk to him through prayer. That's an easy one. How does he communicate with us? The better question is how often do we allow him to communicate with us? If we only allow God to talk to us on Sunday morning or only on Sundays, period, or even only on Sundays and Wednesdays, if that is the only time we allow him to talk to us, how dare we try to talk to him the rest of the week? How dare we ask him for things whenever we only let him talk back to us two days a week, three hours a week, four hours a week? Shame on us. Here in Antioch, there was a great revival going on because things were happening. Let's flip back over and we'll read it. Verse number 21, it said, The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. A great number, we have no idea, but it was so great a number that tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was at Jerusalem, that people talked about it. How awesome is a revival whenever people talk about it? A week after revival stops, or the services stop, how much are we talking about revival? The Sunday following a week-long revival, we can talk about it most of the time. And most of the time we say, man, that, that was wonderful services to be in. But a week later, we forget about it. A week later, we're back to the same place that we were. A week later, we're back to the same slump. It says here that tidings of these things came to the church of Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas that he would go as far as Antioch. And when he had come out, he saw the grace of God. He was glad and exhorted them. He encouraged them. He taught them. He attempted to maintain the revival spirit. Revival is not something that happens one time instantaneously and then stops. Revival is a process. It is a refreshing of what is stagnant. It is a renewing of something that has been disconnected from, fallen by the wayside. Here in Antioch, they already had a church established, but whenever these things began to happen, things got exciting. And it says that they were first called Christians. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. They were called Christians first at Antioch, excuse me. For these people to be to the point that, that it would even be written in the Bible that they were Christians had to be something special. We can call ourselves Christians all day, but what does everybody else say about us? We can say we have the Spirit of God all day, but what do visitors say? We can say that, that, that we have a, a Holy Spirit that dwells here in this church and that God gathers with us every Sunday. I believe with all of my heart that he does. And we can say that, that we truly have revivals. And that we are trying so hard to be Christians. This church was fuller than this this morning. The golf course was full this afternoon whenever I came through Bogalusa. There were people parked everywhere. I can't even tell you how many boats I passed today. And this ain't people leaving church going fishing. This is people coming home from fishing that didn't make it to church. Sports games used to honor Sundays and Wednesdays. You didn't ever have a game on Sunday or Wednesday. Ever. Ever. And now they choose Sundays to play. They let everybody off during the week and they choose Sundays to play. Why? 
because it's no longer relevant. It's no longer a priority. It's no longer the, the, the chief thing in our mind. And here, the, these people at Antioch, being called a Christian here, meant that they had one mind. Acts used the, the phrase one accord over and over and over. These people were Christians because everybody could see that they were Christians. This morning we talked about what a Christian looked like. I believe it looked like this church. I believe it looked like these people. These people who were added to the Lord. Turn over, if you would, Acts in chapter 26. The first state that we can find ourselves in as we strive to be a Christian, as we strive to revive ourselves in the Lord, as we strive to renew our relationship with Him, the first step we can find ourselves in is that of revival. Where they were assembled together, they were taught, they were excited, they were discipled. Anybody ever made a New Year's resolution to work out? For the first couple of days, it's easy. How about a New Year's resolution to go on a diet? To not eat, you know, fattening things, fried food. For the first couple of days, it's easy. I can eat vegetables for a week. I can. I can eat vegetables for two weeks. After a little while, I want a piece of fried chicken. That's, I can work out for a day. For two days, for three days, for four days. After a little while, I just get tired of it. I'm just, just tired of it. It's easy to be gung-ho and fired up for something right off the bat. It's easy to be excited for Christ immediately following a revival or immediately following salvation or immediately following a life choice, a decision that you make. But the second time we find the word Christian in the Bible is when Paul is talking to King Agrippa. Acts in chapter 26, verse 26. Acts 26 and 26. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost, excuse me, 26, For the king knoweth these things, before whom I also speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from thee. For this thing was not done in a corner. He told him about Jesus. He told him about his testimony. He told him about the disciples. He told him about Christ who died for his sins. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer. He preached these things to King Agrippa. He said, King, you, you know about these things. Does the world know Christians exist? Yes. If they didn't, they wouldn't fight so hard to do away with all things God. They wouldn't print up teen dozen Bibles in so many different revisions that the world gets distracted and they, they, they get their ears tickled by a new revision and they don't hear the truth anymore. Or they get their ears tickled by some of these new songs that worship the singer and not God. They get distracted by Hollywood who worship people and not God. Here, King Agrippa knew what was going on. But he didn't want nothing to do with it. The second state we can find ourselves to be in a Christian is being almost persuaded. King Agrippa said in verse 28, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. The second state as a Christian we can find ourselves in is being almost. We can almost be there. We can almost be sold out for Christ. We can almost be a witness for Him. We can almost share our testimony. We can almost go into all the world and preach the gospel. We can almost teach, preach, and baptize. 
We can almost be the Christian God wants us to be. We can almost submit our life unto him. We can almost live a life pleasing to God and almost sent this man to hell. And almost don't get us there. Almost submitted to God isn't submitted to God. Almost being a witness isn't being a witness. Almost being there isn't being there. If I'm going to go on a diet that is no fried food, and yet I slip up every Wednesday night, there's something over in that fellowship hall that's deep fried. Most of the time, corn dogs, mustard, ketchup. Oh, man. And you you just slip up. It's just one. It's not going to hurt. But it's cheap. I'm cheating on my diet. I'm almost living up to it. I'm almost being truthful to it, but I'm not. Whenever we was playing basketball, it wasn't my coach. He was there after me. My two brothers had Mr. Eddie Vaughn as a coach. Wonderful, wonderful basketball coach. Extremely knowledgeable man. And he put those boys on a regimen. They, they couldn't have a soft drink, period. And for three brothers who drank a two-liter of Mountain Dew a day at our home, uh, we, we got up every single morning, drank a solo cup full every morning of our life for 15 years, 16, 18 years. As long as I could remember, we got up and we got a swig of Mountain Dew. That was it. And whenever Coach Vaughn told them, no more soft drinks, period. No sweet tea, no sugar, no pastries. We got to get in basketball shape. Them boys won some basketball games. But Coach Vaughn could tell you if you cheated. He could tell you if you had a Coca-Cola because you was dragging. He could tell you if you had a little Debbie. Because almost wasn't good enough. Almost didn't get you there. Here King Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. King Agrippa knew what a Christian was. He said, I'm almost there. But he said, I don't want to be there right now. We have a long life, right? I'll just, I'll just wait till later in life to be a Christian. I have time. Live it up right now. I'll wait a little bit longer to lose weight. I'll wait a little bit longer to start working out. I'll wait a little bit longer to start being faithful to church. I'll wait a little bit longer to start reading my Bible. I'll wait a little bit longer to start serving in the church. I'll wait a little longer before I get saved. I'll wait a little longer before I submit to Christ. I'll wait a little while before I allow myself to be used for Him. We don't have a record where King Agrippa came to Jesus. We don't have a record where he was fully, completely, and totally persuaded. And I've said before, that cemetery is full of big and small graves. We're not guaranteed another opportunity to be a witness. We're not guaranteed another opportunity to share Christ with those around us. And we all, every single one of us, I don't think anybody in here is a hermit. We all come in contact with lost people all the time. Every one of us. Do we live a life that is persuaded to be a Christian? Are we persuaded... To be a Christian. Turn over if you would to the book of 1 Peter in chapter 4. The book of 1 Peter in chapter 4. We find the third and final time that the word Christian is mentioned in the Bible. First Peter chapter 4 and it represents the third 
and final state that a Christian can find himself in. And that is one of suffering. Anybody here never suffered anything? If you stumped your toe, you suffered. It may be minor, it may be simple, but you understand my illustration. Everyone feels pain that is human. Some pain is outward. Some pain is inward. Some pain the whole world can see. Some pain only us and God can see. But everyone suffers. But Peter here addresses it from a little different standpoint. In verse number 16 of 1 Peter in chapter 4, he said, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. If any man suffer as a Christian. Now Christ promised us that if we follow Him, we will endure temptation. He guaranteed us that. As Christians, we are the minority in this country. We don't get any benefits from it, but we are the minority in this country by far and large. And we don't suffer the way the apostles and the disciples suffered, especially in their death. But we suffer something that, that all the time we view as worse. We suffer a hit to our pride. We get embarrassed. We get picked on. We get made fun of. We get called out. We get labeled if we allow people to find out that we're Christians. And a lot of times we are very, very ashamed of that. We don't want people to know that we are different. The Bible says we are supposed to be different. A peculiar people. We are supposed to be weird Because we are not of this world. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. This world is not my home. I do not belong here. I'm simply using this time to lay up treasures in heaven. I go to work during the week, five days a week, and I go to work so that I can lay up treasures in my bank account so that I can live here. We work down here on this earth so that we can lay up treasures in that bank account in the sky so that we can live up there. If we suffer here, we will be rewarded in heaven with God. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Instead of being ashamed, let's thank God for the opportunity to suffer. The song says, I see Jesus whenever Stephen was stoned. I see Jesus standing at the Father's right hand. I see Jesus yonder in the promised land. Work is over. Now I'm coming to thee. I see Jesus standing, waiting for me. Stephen wasn't upset. I'm not even sure if Stephen felt pain at that point. The Bible says that he laid down and fell asleep. I'm not sure if God allowed him to feel pain. That man stood for Christ up until they took his life. If you go back and read history, a lot of it was not in the Bible, but the majority of the apostles suffered horrific deaths for Christ. And the Bible says, be not ashamed. Paul was beaten. He wasn't ashamed. Peter was thrown in jail. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we are not careful to answer thee. Daniel purposed in his heart. Joseph said, how can I create, excuse me, how can I, I lost the word, commit this great sin against my God. 
and yet we get embarrassed. The third and final place that we can find ourselves as a Christian is, is in suffering. And there's one of three ways that we can look at suffering. We can completely and totally disconnect from God and stop the suffering, stop being a Christian, and leave. <coughs> I've seen people do it. It happens often. It happens more often than it should. They, they totally and completely give up on God whenever something happens. God didn't say everything will be good, did He? Everybody wants to say it in the new revisions of the Bible. says all things work together for good to them that love God. No, it says all things are good or, or work for good or something like that. But the Bible says all things work together for good. Yeah. All things work together for good. I know most of you in here watch football, especially LSU football. And LSU, whenever Les Miles was the coach, they, they had what they call trick plays. And whenever you had a, a trick play, you had somebody that was going to take a pretty serious hit because everybody thought he had the football. And he was going to take that serious hit so that the other guy could score. Whenever they won a national championship in 2009, the quarterback, Matt Flynn, was knelt down to take the, the field goal kick. And the guy come through and, and went to kick it. And instead of, instead of him kicking it, Matt Flynn, Matt Flynn stood up and threw it. And that kicker, kicker took a hit. Matt Flynn, he took a hit. But it worked together for good. We may be the one that has to take a hit sometimes. So suffering in our life may be our turn to take a hit. We're not promised that it'll all be good. As a matter of fact, be awful scary if it all was good all the time. But the Bible says that all things work together for good. That is the first way that Christians often face temptation is, is completely giving up on God. The second way is understanding that God's will must be done in all things. And seeking God's will first should be our priority. And suffering through it is the second way that a Christian can deal with trouble, with temptation, with suffering. And the third way, it says in verse number 16, let him glorify God on this behalf. If we're going to suffer as a Christian, let's not call it suffering. Let's call it an opportunity to be used of God. If we're going to be tried, if, if we're going to go through tribulation, don't, don't view it that way. It's an opportunity to be used of God. When I went down there to see Brother Tim last night, I think it was him that said that. He said, yeah, the nurses have been so nice and, and Miss Jan has preached to them every time they come in. I said, Amen. If that's the good that comes out of it, glory be to God. It's an opportunity that she has had and by golly, she hadn't missed one. She's preached to them. Miss Jan shares her testimony often. She shares words of encouragement. She is an encouragement herself. Everything that, that we go through is either a lesson or a blessing. But the Bible says to rejoice evermore. The Bible says to praise Him anyway. The Bible says in all things give thanks for the opportunity we have to suffer, for the opportunity we have to be with God, to be not ashamed and to glorify God. Verse number 18, And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? 
Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit to keeping their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. We commit our life unto God because we've committed our soul unto God. The prayer that we learned as a kid, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. Amen. Learned it as a itty-bitty kid. And when it comes time for everybody to pray, that's what we all pray. Till we roll enough to know different. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. We talked about suffering a couple of Wednesday nights ago. And the third and final state that we can find ourselves in as a Christian. A man said one time, actually it was uh, Dr. Ben Carson. I heard an interview that he was doing he said, man, often find themselves in a lot of different positions, but you can bet yourself that you are always in one of two positions. And I love the way he put it. I've never heard it before. He said, as a person, as a human, as a man, you're always in one of two places. You are always headed into trouble or coming out. Always. We can't have a life that does not have trouble in it. It's, it's not going to happen. It's just it's not here. It may be nasty and it may be mean. It may be tough. It may be difficult. But we're going to have trouble. But we have a God that's greater than that. We have a Jesus that is greater than that. We have a hope that is greater than that. If in this life only we have hope, we are most men all men most miserable. Yeah. Miserable. If in this life only. Our, our hope and our happiness can come from things of this earth. But ultimately, our hope and happiness don't isn't focused on here. My daughter brings me happiness. My wife brings me happiness. This church brings me happiness. Sometimes even the sunshine brings me happiness when it's really cold outside. But our happiness should stem from the salvation that God has given us. Our happiness should stem from the hope, from the joy that lives within us. Our happiness should stem from having the opportunity to be a Christian. That's where our happiness should come from. And it should be maintained. That revival shouldn't stop whenever service is in. The revival shouldn't stop. Being a Christian shouldn't stop whenever we walk out these doors. It's something that we take with us. It's something that we have to maintain. It is something that we must desire. And if we do, God will bless us for it. God will maintain us. And in the end, God will raise us up in second resurrection with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we'll live in eternity with Him forevermore. You ever thought about what heaven must look like? Uncle Clint used to sing a song in church. He played on the piano and did a beautiful job. He has a bass voice, but he sang this song really high, and it always kind of hit a soft spot for me. It's called The Pearly White City. And Emily's got a couple of sets of pearls, and they're, they're beautiful. But I can't imagine nothing any bigger than about this. It, it just, my, my head don't wrap around it. You start reading in, in the end of the Revelation about what the city is going to look like. You start reading about the promises that God made. He's going to wipe away all tears. There'll be no sadness, no sorrow, no death, no pain. It makes everything down here seem a little bit less. It makes our problems seem a little bit smaller. In the Bible, Christians is referred to three times. All three times, it represents three situations that we can find ourselves in. As Christians, the first is a state of revival. 
which I hope that we can find ourselves in often, as we oftentimes need to be refreshed because we get beat down an awful lot. The second is one I hope we never find ourselves in, and that is the point of almost being persuaded to be a Christian, almost being persuaded to allow God to use our life. We should allow God to use our life every day. The Bible says that we should daily take up our cross and follow Him. We have to crucify this flesh daily. And the third is glorifying God in temptation, in trouble, in trials, and suffering. And I hope that we can all find that. It's hard, it's difficult, it's not supposed to be easy. But with the help of God, He promised us that we could. I will have a verse of a song and give an opportunity for invitation.